Hey, this is Rob, and welcome to question number 67. Who is the future of agriculture? It's my conversation with Jared and Valerie Lumen on their farm in Goodhue, Minnesota. Seriously, we got together. I drove a little over an hour south of Minneapolis to meet with them on their farm, and then we took a four-wheeler, and we drove up past their cows up on the side of a hill that overlooks the entire farm. We parked it and we recorded the conversation right there. There might be some wind noise uh, midway through this conversation, but it's fine. You can handle it. It's still, you, By this point, you're used to background noise. Anyways, this conversation was a blast. They own a company called Grass-Fed Cattle Company, so I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about their background in farming. Okay. <laughs> Sarah's, Sarah's walking through the room right now, making goofy dancing stances. Listen, anyways, this conversation was fascinating. It was a, This was a great conversation. I'm really pumped to have met these two. A conversation that initially just started to be about agriculture ended up being about a lot more. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. What are you asking? You talking to me? Who are you? Pop quiz, hot shot. Quick me to Hey, before you sit down, you go grab a Guinness. I'll start by saying that for those of you that are joining us for the very first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past 10 years, decade, I've been saying 10 years for the past two years, so should I just, I've been trying to move it over to decade, but for the past decade, I've been, for over 10 years, for all, aka, can you believe that for over 10 years, I have been traveling the world as a bassist and music director, and that for over one and a half years, this has been my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do, to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, my friend, Sarah. Hey, speaking of Guinness, I am so glad we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast or else I would be required, mm, highly encouraged uh, due to uh, financial uh, compensation to tell you that Guinness is the greatest beer known to mankind. Give me a phrase. The first thing comes to mind. Nothing compares. Anyways, hey, speaking of Guinness, though, seriously, uh, this weekend I'm going to be playing a music festival in Appleton, Wisconsin. All my Wisconsin listeners, all if, that all deep my, following you've got from Wisconsin. <laughs> All my, for all my massive amounts of Wisconsin <laughs> listeners. By the way, I, here's something. I am I'm curious now that we mention it. I wonder how many listeners we have from Wisconsin. Uh, if you're listening from Wisconsin, text the podcast hotline. The number is 612-584-9330. The number is in the show notes below. I want to hear from all my Wisconsin listeners. What I was saying is that I'm going to be in Appleton, Wisconsin, playing a music festival called Mile of Music this weekend. So I'm going to be there Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we're playing the main stages for a couple of nights. The reason I'm saying this is because one of my favorite things about this podcast is when something digital like this, whether it's social media or this, 
uh, can turn into meeting up in person. It so, becomes RL. It, uh, let's get together in RL. <laughs> Man, that was a long-winded way to say. Yeah. You'll I'm, be in Appleton this weekend. You'd like to hang out. Yeah, let's clink glasses. Preferably if let's you buy him the Guinness. Listen, if you want to buy me Guinness, I'll meet up with you in Appleton, Wisconsin this weekend. But um, if you don't, then he won't. Yes. Speaking of doing things uh, in the virtual world that make a difference in RL, if you have been appreciating this podcast, you've been listening to it and you've been enjoying it, if you have been impacted by any of the conversations I've had with any of these guests, if you would just take two seconds and head over to iTunes, rate, comment, and subscribe. Five stars only. That helps up... That helps us in a massive massive way here at the podcast. Number two is if one of these conversations has inspired you, made you think differently, opened your eyes to something, made you uh, more of a curious person, if you've enjoyed it, if you appreciate it, share it with a friend. Text a friend, say, hey, I thought of you. I, I One of my favorite things uh, when it comes to relationships is the sharing of something intentional with another friend. Hey, I mean, you just did it yesterday. Or was that today? That you was sent, this morning. You sent me a text. You said, hey, I was thinking about you with this with this quote I read. It was really meaningful. So uh, I'm just saying, this oh, podcast... Oh, shucks. This podcast can help build your relationships in RL. Oh, God. Okay. This conversation is fascinating because I sat down with Jared and his wife, Valerie, on their farm in Goodhue, Minnesota, which is about an hour, maybe a little over an hour, maybe an hour and a half south of Minneapolis. Anyways, this conversation was fascinating. I'm not going to keep rambling on. I've already held you here for a few minutes longer than I told you it would. So let's dive into it. This is my conversation with Jared and Valerie Lumen. Okay, so let's start with this. Where are we right now? We right now are out in what we call on our farm the 32-acre field. Uh, we have names for every pasture. The one to our left is the reed canary grass field. The one uh, out behind, uh, out that way, is what we used to call the field by the tree, but the tree was hit by lightning and knocked over a few years. So we are on the 32-acre field <laughs> so at the moment. Really, the really scientific names oh, yeah. out here. Yeah. Okay, we got the yeah. field by the tree. They they have technical numbers too. My dad knows them, and they're on a map like okay, H37 yeah. for home 37 and yeah. stuff. But I can't remember those. And so I it's like that. the field over the hill, the field by the, down the lane, the field by the pond. <laughs> And so, yeah, yes. we're in the 32-acre field right now, although we built a fence in the middle and split it into two fields, so it's not an even 32 acres anymore, but that's beyond the what you sticks, needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's every, what we needed. Every time you make a transition, you, you think, okay, now what is the exact? Yeah, exactly. Now we got to call it the 31.35 acre exactly. field. Oh, yeah. Or we can call it the smaller half of the 32-acre field now <laughs> yes. or something. And then yeah. So, yeah. That's how we, that's how we do things here. But that's where we are right now. It's on uh, my family farm. Uh, yeah. My grandpa uh, bought this farm in 1960, or in the early 1960s. Yeah. He farmed about. Uh, well, he farmed actually on the same section, just a mile down the road, is where he grew up and yeah, his yeah. family farmed. And so we didn't move far. His brother and his brother's family farms that land, that yeah. farm now. So, so it's still in the family. Uh, we just are down the road, just a quarter mile or a yeah. ways. So. That's yeah. cool. Okay, how old are you, by the way? I'm 23. Okay, and yep. you're 25? And I'm 25, yep. Nice. Yep. So we got mm-hmm. married this last August, um, mm-hmm. and I've been here on the farm with him ever since, trying to figure out where the tree is yes. in yeah, the yeah. tree field and <laughs> learn yeah. all these yes. weird names they have for everything. Uh, okay, so your family farmed, were you saying? Yes. Okay. Uh, what is the farm? What did farming look like for you growing up? What's your? Are they still on the same farm? Same farm. Yeah, okay. my parents actually purchased the farm um, and have recently bought my dad's parents' farm that they have just a little ways away yeah. from our farm. Um, we have cows, um, 
just like here and soybeans and corn um a very conventional farm um but was that just like all you knew with the family or did they get into it at some point while you're growing up um actually my parents kind of started the farm on their own Uh, my grandparents still had their land and so my parents started farming my grandparents but um yeah they they bought the land sort of as i was growing up so it's cool to see the farm grow and my mom um had a job off the farm at mayo all growing up um after we were like five or six the Um, mayo clinic in rochester yes okay so you uh, i'm the the reason i'm asking this is because i'm trying to paint a picture in my mind of what it looked like growing up you guys and why the hell you still decided (laughs) that you want to keep doing this okay so you grew up on that farming is kind of like the agriculture is it sounds like what you just what you knew growing up yeah i've always i've always loved taking care of animals um i remember growing up one time my dad came home from the sales barn and in the front part of his pickup he had 20 baby goats that were a day old and he was like here's your project like that's and you didn't know about it he just came home with baby goats no like it was probably like eight o'clock at night i went to school the next day like that was just kind of how things were like you just grew up outside i didn't have a tv growing up not because we're against it but because we we had other fun things to do oh i love that yeah yeah uh what is what's the what's the most obscure or like weirdest animal you guys had on the farm so you had baby goats did you have anything we had three llamas um so actually growing up we had sheep and a lot of people don't know um they see them at the fair llamas like hug them and everything but llamas are actually really good protectors of like sheep or goats um we even had them with our cows for a little bit but so our llamas were there to protect their sheep, but we also showed okay, them. Okay, your llamas were there to protect sheep. Yes. yes. What? Yeah. They, That's crazy. They're like guard animals. So um, if there's ever a sheep that like wouldn't go in at night or um, there was a coyote, the yeah. llamas would chase them away or just scare them away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, when I see a llama, I just don't think <laughs> of like this, uh, this, safeguard of your entire farm well they can kick really 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 hard is that like their go-to defense um i think so yeah and they make some scary noises they have really powerful necks i think that they use also and i've been spit in the face and it smells (laughs) awful (laughs) oh my gosh really yes oh man i'm what i'm curious about is i have so many friends that have whether you've grown up they've grown up on a farm or they've grown up in a situation with a family business right Mm -hmm. And they grow up and they're like, I'm never going to do this. They, You can either go one of two ways where you are like, I'm done. I'm out. I lived on a farm my whole life. I'm moving to Minneapolis. <laughs> or you can be like, okay, as I've grown up here, I've realized I love it. I want to mm-hmm. keep doing this, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that you're cemented in for the rest of your life doing anything. Uh, but it sounds like you guys had this vibe. What, what did that look like? Well, let me rephrase that question because that's a horrible question. Was there ever a time that you thought I'm out there's no way I'm ever going to be doing the farming thing or was it you always knew you were going to do this what'd that look like for you Val um I I always say I have two sisters a younger sister and older sister and we're like a spectrum my younger sister she just wants to live in the tractor okay if she talked to nobody she'd be fine with it as long as she had tractors and cows and crops yeah my older sister wanted nothing to do with the farm she is in med school now and she always knew from like age five that she wanted to be a doctor I'm like right in the middle I always loved the animals, love the cows, all that, but I also love talking to people. And so kind of throughout my time in FFA and yeah. getting some leadership experience, uh, meeting lots of people, including Jared, um, I really 
found out that I wanted to be in agriculture, but I wanted to be in agriculture talking to people and helping them understand, you know, our farm or something about agriculture and how yes. it's connected to basically everything we do. I mean, there's probably some kind of product yes. in agriculture in this microphone, yeah. you know? And so I, that kind of became my passion and what I wanted yeah. to do. I just never really knew what that looked like. Okay. And so, um, I, I was just always kind of unsure growing up if I wanted to go back and, and farm, if I wanted a farm that looked different, if I, you know, would get a job that would allow me to kind of tell the story of agriculture and yes. connect with people. Um, and so it's kind of cool that yeah. I'm, I'm doing all those things. Yeah. I'm back on the farm, but I'm also getting to talk directly to our customers and, yeah. um, yeah. Okay. What does that look like right now? So you get, yeah. you get a little bit of that. What does that look like? Uh, having that interaction with people, fill me in on that. Sure. Like, paint me a picture. Yeah. We have, um, the company that we actually just bought three, four months ago is, okay. um, called the grass fed cattle company. And what we do is we work with three other farmers that raise grass fed beef, uh, pastured pork. And then we recently started raising chickens on our farm as well. And so we market that um, through our website and social media and all that. And so I get to c connect with customers that way. Yes. Um, they come to the cities and pick it up um, right from our Edina location, or they can come visit our farm and pick it up here yeah. as well. Um, and so I get to talk to every customer that we have. And oh, okay, answer, Edina, Minnesota. Yes. Is that like a, like a brick and mortar shop there or what is that? It's more of just like a freezer space, um, yeah. but we it's right on 50th in France, if you know where that is in oh, Edina. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So it's super convenient for most of our customers to go yeah. there, and we usually just meet people in the parking lot with their box package up for whatever meat they want from us yes. and um, get to answer questions they so have. So you're, you're making a drive specifically for that... You're scheduling. Yes. Okay, I didn't know if you had uh, you knew somebody there. You had people working there that were taking care of that side. It's no, still there, all on you. Yes, I go there um, either once or twice a week and yes. meet with customers and do drop-offs for beef and answer yeah. any questions they oh, have. Oh, that's so. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, pork, beef, uh, chickens. Yes. Does it all come from you? Not all of it. So we have three other farmers that we okay. work with. Um, they are either in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah. And basically they are raising their animals the same way we are yeah. um and we're sort of getting to tell their story for them to our customers yes. right now in farming mm -hmm. and agriculture it's kind of tough times a lot of commodity prices corn and soybeans and different uh livestock hogs uh, beef and everything is kind of at a historical low or relatively low right now and it's pretty tough and a lot of farmers are struggling and so to be able to work with these farmers and offer them a premium for what they're raising so that they can keep it in the family and they can keep you know their family farm going yeah. and stuff uh is it's exciting and we have a lot of friends that you know want to come home and farm and not all of them have the opportunity and we hope that you know if we can continue to grow this that we can continue to offer that to other people so that lots of people yeah. anyone who wants to farm has that ability oh man okay that is so cool <laughs> this is so rad because the things you guys are saying are just blowing my mind right now number and we're gonna i want to hit as many of them as possible number one the fact that you are a professional translator you're you go between you're translating between two worlds like a mm -hmm. world a world of agriculture where they have all these they I just know in my from my interaction uh, with people in that world you have this you almost take information for granted that yeah. you know this and you don't understand what other people don't know right so you, it sounds like you are that going between the world of people that don't know anything that need to be educated yeah. about stuff and the people that don't know necessarily what th these other people in the city or people that aren't on farms need yeah. to be educated about 
do you feel that way? Is that like, is, am I kind of like on or am I missing? No, the you're totally on. Okay. Yeah. And I, I've always loved that. One time in, I think it was 10th grade, I wrote a speech called Speaking the Language. Yes. It was all about how like us in agriculture, we have like this weird language that people that aren't living on farms like don't understand. Like, oh, I don't okay, know. Okay, give, give me an example. Yeah, give, me some, give me some examples. So my, my brother, well, for one thing, when you think, when, you, when I say AI, what do you think? Artificial intelligence. Yeah. So for <laughs> on a farm, it's artificial insemination. It's a te- yes. it's a way of breeding cows. Um, another example: when we built our first, yeah. my brother is a web developer, and he built us a website and uh, <laughs> on how we market beef. And on the top, the top was like buy beef, buy bulls, buy females. And his, he had his employee or his fellow person look at it, and he's like, "What? They're selling females? What is this? Cra-? You know, I like, couldn't oh, believe so it. Yeah. Sells fem- like just like just totally." Uh, didn't, but we yeah, sell female cows. Clarity, so you, you clarified yeah. it by saying, yeah. okay, by cows, by humans. So you had a whole other landing page for mm-hmm. buying humans, right? Yeah, just exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was a separate page. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Where, yeah. yeah, where he, that's like, why, why, how is this confusing? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't even see it. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's so many of those different, you know, things that just, terms that we'll just use and I catch myself and she's good at that yeah. too when I'm talking to people is like slow down yeah. they don't know what you're talking like about like when he said oh we develop they develop bulls it's like well that that sounds kind of I don't know weird did you yes. have any question like what yeah. does that mean yeah what is it what you're developing bull I was yeah I was gonna go into yeah. that because yeah. I kind of have an understanding of that but I want to hear right. yeah okay developing bulls what does it mean to develop one right right yeah. and yeah. It, it basically yeah. I mean all he's trying to say is that they're raised in a similar environment so that the bulls are you know people can see the difference between them and I mean we're looking for really good genetics and yeah. lots of science things behind that but yeah interesting yeah, yeah. when we oh, post on so Instagram the difference between her post and my post is usually <laughs> pretty different because hers will be simplified and mine will be the technical stuff and so I like I, and oh, she yes. have to look at mine and make sure it's not too <laughs> okay let's break this down yeah. let's <laughs> dumb it down a little bit yes <laughs> well not oh, even that so I mean some people really enjoy science but yeah. You got to start with the very simple things yeah. first, you know. 100%. It's like me and technology, like yeah. please just dumb it down oh, for me Yes, I don't, absolutely. I, I can't don't know. hardly turn on a computer <laughs> let alone. Yeah. <laughs> my brother built our website. It's funny cuz like I said my brother's a web developer and he took all of the technological intelligence from our family yeah. and left me with none of it. And I have, like, <laughs> I don't I don't know how to do just about anything with tech yeah. and stuff, but he got but it all. But he does. And yeah. then like Kind of like her older sister, my brother mm-hmm. wanted nothing to do with the farm, but he found his niche in making a website for our farm too. So it's cool that he could still be a part of the farm. That, in that it benefits way. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This idea of translating to think about—I mm-hmm. feel like that is a skill that is overlooked in, I think, just about any job. No matter what industry you're in, no matter if you are just, what maybe you're just a person that has ideas, translating your ideas in a mm-hmm. way that makes sense to someone else. Yeah. Where where did those skills come from? Um, three big moments that come to mind. Okay. Number one, when I realized I love talking to people and explaining things. Yeah. Um, I showed my llama that we talked about yes. earlier at the state fair. Okay. And I was, if you walk into the state fair and you go to the horse barn, yeah. um, one of them, they have llamas in it for like three days. And I was right next to the door. And so I would just sit in my llama pen oh, yeah. and I would let people pet my llama. They would ask me like so many questions. Yeah. And I just... I loved that weekend. I love talking to people and explaining, you know, what llamas are used for, you know, who my llama is, why we're pals. Um, And so I just... What was your llama's name? Mario. Mario. Yes. (laughs) That's so good. Yes. Um, Yeah, I just realized I loved it then. Yeah. Um, Secondly, I, during FFA, I got to meet 
Lots and lots of people. Um, not only in Minnesota, but I actually got to travel all throughout the United States. Um, yeah. I went to 31 states, I believe, um, during one year, um, speaking and doing some workshops, things like that. How old were you when that happened? Were you 20 and 21? Is okay. That right? Okay, so yeah, it's right. Yeah. So it's right after high school. Okay, that's right. Yes, man, that's cool. Yes, she so, was a national FFA officer, and yes. so that's oh, what that okay, opportunity was able now to. Now I'm Took yeah. a year off of yeah. college and traveled essentially yeah. for that. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Third thing was I got to spend a summer working for Minnesota Pork, and we did something called an oink outing, um, where we go <laughs> into like farmers markets or like yeah. art fairs and yeah. just get to answer questions that people have about pigs and pig farmers. And I think that was another experience that I was just like, wow, I. I love explaining, you yes. know, the farm to people. Yes. Um, I I just think people sort of take it for granted, or maybe just like don't realize all the hard work that goes into raising the food yes. that we're eating. Why well, I, constantly? I, I, like I love snacking. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I think people just don't realize what all goes into it, and yeah, they have a lot of assumptions or just questions that maybe they don't know who to ask about yeah. where their food comes from and. Who, oh, you know, man. who is, who, who is, is ma- behind it? Well, there is this thing. Well, I, I think it is. I'm thinking about the levels of intentionality, right? Yeah. When it comes to food and yeah. agriculture mm-hmm. of someone that's not involved in it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe like the first is zero idea. Maybe you're, you don't you have no cares. Right. You're just picking up whatever. You don't care where it comes from or mm-hmm. what you're eating. Then there's like an intentionality of what you're eating. What would that next thing be? Just the that, connection what can, directly what, to where. Yes, okay. What, but where it came from and yeah. how it was produced and who produced it. There's a lot of people out like us trying to direct market food. A lot of people who are like I said, egg times now are a little bit tough and people mm-hmm. are trying to add a premium to their product by selling it direct to the consumer instead of going through all the stag- stages of, you know, selling it to the uh, the wholesaler who processes it, who sends it to another wholesaler, sends it to the grocery store and every person in that chain needs a cut, you know. A lot of yeah. farmers are trying to go direct to the consumer. Just a lot of farmers, myself included, you know, I'm maybe out there more than some, but we, we're... We're, first of all, we're quite busy in production, and so yeah. it's tough to get out there and try to market mm-hmm. your product. Yeah. And then our passions, truly, we we des- we love to farm. You know, yeah. we don't we don't want to. Ha- you know, a lot of people, some people do love going out and visiting with consumers, and I love it too. It's a lot of fun when I get to do that. But we love to farm, and and a lot of people don't have that passion, and so, yeah. you know, go out there and you know seek out a, a farmer for your produce. You know, Google is a great friend. There's lots of online. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of aggregators of all these where you can find uh local uh local food producers vegetable farmers csa's meat producers um all sorts of different producers there's lots of online resources for that and so if you're trying to connect yourself to a farmer um start searching they're all over the place there's a lot i've met Mm -hmm. farmers from just about everywhere in the country who are trying to do this and this is in some of the most remote places of the remote you know west and when they're 45 miles from a town who are you know trying to develop a market there and stuff and uh and then people who are farming in urban gardens or just outside of the city who are doing this so Mm -hmm. they're all over well what is okay that i mean you just i'm loving this conversation because it's uh, there's another assumption that is well you know to in order to eat intentionally and get it directly eat organic it's more expensive right like the better quality the more the more direct to uh your farmer, a farm or a butcher shop or whatever, the more direct that is, the more expensive that gets. But you're saying if you cut out the middleman and you go straight to a farm, it's it can be like you can actually save money. Is that something? I, or I wouldn't or more money goes towards either. the uh, more so money the, goes towards the farmer. In the hand. They're, okay, yeah. yeah that's they're great. capturing more of that value. Cool. What is the 
it's like nine cents on the dollar actually goes to the farmer of the food what? or something like yeah, that. If you, crazy. you know, oh a gosh. gallon of milk yeah. or whatever you buy at the store, mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know the specific number, but somewhere around that nine cents or mm-hmm. something per dollar goes to the actual farmer. And so, uh, oh. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's okay. This is, you, are you nailing, you saying the nine cents on the dollar thing just triggered in my mind a possible link between uh, my music friends and people having career in music sure. and farmers. There's no what is, what is the relationship be, be, between <laughs> those two things. You normally don't think of that, but uh, n- there's a massive thing in the music world where like, okay, how do artists make money? Mm-hmm. You have all these people wanting to be songwriters. Just yeah. the amount that's going to the artist, yeah. sure. uh, especially from now, we have streaming uh, in the music world, yeah. and it gets even less because you can tougher. go on Spotify. Tougher, yeah. tougher, yeah. So everybody's trying to figure that out, mm-hmm. which. Uh, I know all the sides of that in the music world, but now it's I'm realizing it could be similar in yes. the farming world. And mm-hmm. so let's go backwards uh, for a second. You said something that blew my mind. And my assumption was when I started this, and I was going to meet up with you guys. All right. Who is going to be who's going to be doing this? Who's going to be working in agriculture? Because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's so many people moving to the city because they don't want to do it's not attractive to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But you said there's so many people that want to do it but they can't Absolutely. afford to do it. Yeah. Tell me about that. What does that look like? Why, like what's the biggest thing holding back? Yeah, so farmland and, well, farming is just incredibly capital intensive. First of all, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is that just about everything to get into farming is extremely expensive. Land in our area can be anywhere from five to $8,000 an acre. Yeah. And machinery new can cost several hundred thousand dollars for a single tractor, a combine is half a million, you know, yeah. lots, and that's new stuff. You can get used, but it's extremely expensive to get into farming, and so it's difficult. And, and Yeah, so so that's a big one is the cost barrier, first yeah. of all, it is a, it's a cost barrier. Um, another thing then is, uh, unless, marketing um there's kind of two routes you can go with farming is that you either produce for a commodity market like uh you know you can sell at the elevator and they'll Mm -hmm. give you whatever the chicago board Mm -hmm. of trade you know it it goes off the chicago board of trade and stuff Mm -hmm. and then uh which is essentially you just get a commodity what aggregated across the country what people are willing to pay for a certain commodity and stuff you're selling to a mark a massive market or you can direct market somehow yeah. and so if you want to be in the commodity market the margins are so slim that you need to farm a lot of whatever you want to farm to make a living and then there's the big cost barrier mm-hmm. or the alternative is to direct market whatever you're producing be that um, you know vegetables or meat uh, if you direct market then you can increase your premium and you need a lot less land a lot less machinery so you don't need to scale as much so your yeah. cost barrier mm-hmm. is down but then your marketing barrier is up so those are kind of the two yes. routes that I would say is direct marketing or commodity marketing. And then, you know, each of them prevent, prevent or present their own challenges. Mm-hmm. One is financial. One is a marketing, finding a market. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. about like we have a friend right out of college um, named Abby, and she just went back to her family's farm because her dad needed help. I mean, he just yeah. he's getting a little older and yeah. can't do all the physical work that he used to do. And I mean, she wants that lifestyle. But right now, especially in dairy, like markets are just so low that they're just they can't make ends meet, you yeah. know, for the farm. They can't keep taking care of the cows, which you need to do for them to be able to yeah. produce milk and and take care of their family at the same time. So, it's you know, it's just it's hard to make those decisions, especially people our age are having to decide kind of the future of their family farms, which is just yeah. it's sad to think about, you know, generations of all that hard work and care for the land and care for those animals um, mm-hmm. that can't continue just because markets are not 
they're just not where they need to be to help farmers be able to keep taking care of their animals yeah. and their land. Oh man, have you guys seen? I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Do you have friends, or is there a, like a, a situation you know of where you know you have this family farm, and maybe one of the one of the kids wants to go work on it, but they just can't. There's not the funds. Is that so? It sounds like that's happening all the time right now, or yeah, is that common? Uh, yeah, Very I would say common. absolutely. Either they you know, can't afford to bring them back or they can't afford to bring them back full time. They might yeah. help on the weekends and the evenings or something or just help in the fall for harvest mm-hmm. or something because they can't afford to bring back full time. Uh, you know, my dad here, I've been very fortunate. He's done a great job his whole life of trying to find mm-hmm. premium markets because we've, he kind of, like you said, have two options either if we want to be more profitable, take on a large debt load and grow yeah, or work hard on finding a premium market and maybe do a little extra work for our for our buck instead of just doing more of the same thing. I kind of wish his dad was here because honestly, he is just a very curious person like you were talking about. And he just, I think, asked the right questions of, well, how can we make this work? You know, how can we make sure that both of our families can keep farming? And that kind of required him to think outside the box and, you know, well, maybe we do need to raise bulls for Pharaoh Cattle Company. Maybe we do need to start doing some organic crops and, um, well, you know. was, is there something that stands out uh, that he did that sets him that he did that is was a big big catalyst for the success of moving forward that you think oh man looking backwards it's so awesome that he did this. Gosh, well What's, that's an interesting question because I would say it, you know, it all came down to a mindset change, and I don't mm-hmm. know where specifically that happened. There's a story him and my grandpa tell me is that way back in like the 70s or something we had a foreign exchange student from. I think it was New Zealand come here and told yeah. us in, in New Zealand they're a very grass-based farming enterprise and here we're a very machinery corn soybeans type enterprise yeah. uh, industry here and he they came here and he said you guys are 10 15 years behind everything we're doing over there you got to figure this out or you're not going to make really? it essentially and so my grandpa told my dad go to New Zealand see what he's talking about and and bring oh. it back here and so he went to New Zealand worked on a gra- uh, all grass grazing dairy yeah. and learned you know saw okay there's a different way to graze and feed dairy cattle than just feeding corn and soy in a, in a lot. Yeah. And then he came home and from then on he kind of always did things differently. Pre that time, oh, my word, we were yeah. a very conventional, in fact we were some of the biggest ones in the area at that time, you know, well uh, over a thousand acres of cropland. We had con- big conventional beef cattle and uh, relatively big dir- dairy herd at the time. And, and then he started changing things and looking for how to do things at a lower cost instead of just maximizing production and how to add value to the products. and so he started grazing dairy um then he came here and started organic and organic is probably organic crop farming was probably the biggest profit center profit yeah driver for the operation it allowed him to pay down debt to expand and to you know get the machinery that allowed us to be more efficient so that you know when when i came home we had all six row equipment this is we had all six row equipment and it was really slow and we spent a lot of time and i kind of told dad like you know Honestly, I work a lot, but I didn't want to work as hard as him <laughs> yeah. and my grandpa did the rest yeah. of my life. I told yeah. him that. I was like, I don't know that I want to do that the rest no. of my life. And so since he was good at, you know, had built a financially successful operation, he had the ability to buy all 12, upgrade everything to bigger equipment, 12 row equipment, so he could do everything twice as fast, cover everything yes. twice as much. And so, you know, which in turn, you know, increased our lifestyle. Like oh, there's 100%. the lifestyle, there's the yeah. financial aspect of the business and then there's lifestyle. And so yeah. we were able to reduce the amount of work we had to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh man, because you're. Th- I mean, I just. I know when you are doing this, you are, uh, like, p- 
uh, vacations and like leaving for a day looks different. It completely changes everything. How much you're able to, or if you are, is it is it, are you working a f- just nonstop sun up to sundown, or are you, how fast can you get it done? It do- it all is dependent on that. Yeah. So I totally hear that. Yeah. But uh, both of you guys, if you had, uh, <laughs> there's one job that is part of your everyday lives uh-huh. here. That's a part of the regular that you could say, if I never have to do that again, that. W- that would be amazing. And then on the other side of that, what is something that you, is there like a part of this that brings like the most like fulfillment or enjoyment? Like I could do this all day mm-hmm. doing this. Is there anything that comes to mind? Give me negative first. Like yeah. if you could, if there's one part of this that you were like, if I never have to touch another, another giant ragweed. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> we're organic. <laughs> okay. So we can't spray chemical yeah. um, to kill weeds. And so. Yeah. This morning, the last two mornings, I haven't actually, I've been too busy the last couple of days, I haven't been able to yet, but my dad's been out pulling weeds. And so we, we cultivate and do the best we can to control weeds. But mm-hmm. um, at a certain point, we have to go out and start pulling actual weeds by hand. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people pull weeds in a garden. We have about, I think a hundred and so acres of <laughs> soybeans this year yes. that we have to yeah. pull weeds for. And that's an acre is about the size of a football field for those who don't know. Okay. So if you think about a hundred football fields, we'll have to weed like a garden. Yeah. And, and stuff and so that's that's not fun oh man (laughs) so yeah this is this is the 32 football field yeah Uh, yeah this is the 32 football football field field yeah yeah. i love your guys' outlook on all this and your perspective on stuff and it's such a cool balance of i mean you you having your foot in these two worlds that almost seem opposites Mm -hmm. but have the all these links together where you're flying around Mm -hmm. you're going to these conferences and so you have like this balancing act that it sounds like it's possible to do have like your foot yeah. in a little bit of each well and i just i've always loved just getting to know people and hearing yeah. their stories and i think that's something else that ffa taught me is just how to you know ask questions and and be curious like yeah. you were saying is just when you meet someone there's always something new you can learn and yes. even if they're you know during my during my year i did a lot of like middle school workshops and yeah, i yeah. can learn something from those guys you yeah. know some of the things they said i was just like mind blown like yeah. you're so inspirational and yes. you're like 12 years old, you yes. know? And so it's just like, there's something I can learn from everything. And I think taking that mindset and applying it to conversations with people who pick up their meat and trying to learn from all of those people. I mean, yes. I, I think it can just offer so much when you have that mindset of curiosity, like you said. Yes. And I mean, that is my biggest belief in life is that everybody we meet, if you are willing to look at life this way, everybody you meet has something you can learn from right. them. Whereas like these assumptions of who we can learn from are crazy to me mm-hmm. when I have conversations with people sometimes. Yeah. I mean, even the, your story about your dad and you guys have a foreign exchange student come over, yeah. right? Instantly you say foreign exchange student or intern. And I think about their goal is to come over here and learn something from yeah. you yeah. and about how your lives and the trajectory of your family mm-hmm. was changed because you're listening and learning from this uh, this other person. And just on that, kind of a cool story. I was just talking. We had a foreign exchange student about three years ago. His name is Valentin from France. Yeah. And uh, he came here and saw what we were doing and brought it home. I was just talking to him a couple of days ago. Well, he's buying the family farm now, and he's doing a bunch of the stuff we're doing and taking it back home. And so it's kind of cool how what came from New Zealand came to Minnesota is going back to France yes. now. And I oh, mean, some it's of the kind stuff of, that you learn from New Zealand. Yeah, now he's like we, over we learned from, yes. that from there, brought it here, and yeah. this guy yeah. from France came here and learned it here and yeah. he's bringing it back to France now. And so it's it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, we everyone, you know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, and listen first, speak second, and mm-hmm. stuff. If we can all try to learn from our 
situ- you know, learn wherever yeah. we can. I, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. a big thing of, you know, curiosity is just being a learner and having the desire to just take stuff in before mm-hmm. yes. putting stuff out, I guess. And, because, and even our conversation be- before this, uh, you and I were talking about how you, I mean, you, it sounds like you're listening to podcasts all the time. Oh, yeah. 24-7. Really? <laughs> all the time. I feel like every conversation I am in now, it's all like, oh, in this podcast, you know, I listen to this or something. Yes. So yes. I, I have, I'm, I'm very fortunate way. in this yeah. job out here, like, like I said, I'm not dealing with people all the time. I can throw in a set of headphones. And where yeah. I used to be in a tractor listening to the radio all day, and now I realize I can, instead of just listening to music, which is great too, I can put in, you know, information and take in mm. knowledge and information. Yes. And so I'm listening to podcasts pretty much all the time. I yeah. love that. Okay, let's end it with this. I could sit out here and talk with you guys about this <laughs> for way longer. The one reason we're ending right now uh, is because I have it get sunburns through fluorescent lights i'm just kidding no but i'm like if we stay here all afternoon i will not function for the next two weeks of my life because oh, no. i'll be in bed burning no i'm just kidding it won't be that bad of a sunburn yeah uh but before we do i want to talk i'm i'm curious about i want to talk about uh organic because you guys are on an organic farm mm-hmm. uh, uh you're, you're at least doing some things organic i want to talk about uh grass-fed mm-hmm. uh and then i want to talk about assumptions with those things mm-hmm. so uh, first of all, what does it mean? What does it, what does it mean that you guys are an organic farm? What does that mean? Is there yeah? What so, hurdles are there? Sure. So organic is a U, is certified through the USDA, uh, okay. the United States Department of Agriculture, and so there's actual requirements. It's not just a, a you know a label. There is requirements that go into it. Uh, we can't use uh, chemical herbicides, pesticides, fungicides. We can't use synthetic fertilizers and whatnot. Um, and so. What I really like about organic is that it forces farmers to think about things differently. Yeah. Instead of looking at a problem and saying, what can I use to, what chemical can I spray or what, you know, thing can I spray to fix the problem? How can we work with nature to do it? Because I guess I, something my dad and, and we've always tried to do here is just to mimic nature as much as possible. You know, nature for thousands of years before we ever got here had developed an amazing ecosystem filled with diversity and the ability to handle, you know, tremendous amounts of, you know, ruminant animal livestock and stuff, grazing the plains and everything. And and they had it figured out. And then we came here and, uh, and started producing differently. And now we have problems, you know, problems with weeds, Mm. problems with, uh, you know, diseases and and things and pests in our plants. And so how can we follow nature's image and organic forces you to do that because you don't have those tools. And so, on our farm here and that kind of is why we're such a big grass based operation yeah is when we try to follow nature we look back at how did nature work before we got here and the land was covered in grasslands and prairies um it's diverse in its its plant species there's legumes which can fix nitrogen there's plants with deep tap roots that can pull nutrients up from deep in the soil and there's some with fibrous roots that can break up compaction and you know working with nature to help fix the problems that we otherwise would use a machine or a chemical for is uh, you know what I I think we really try to focus on as much as possible. And, yes. And just yeah, just trying to mimic nature in, in every way that we can mm-hmm. on the farm. What was the biggest, or you think the hardest change that your dad had to make to be to become fully organic? Sure. Or organic certified. Was it just mainly not using the pesticides and the chemicals? That definitely makes life more difficult. So a lot of farmers will be. You know, um, you know, we're out pulling weeds and stuff because mm-hmm. we have weeds that a lot of farmers would have just been able to spray for. And some day, there are days that I wish I could do that and stuff. And and also, you know, um, 
Well, so that's a big challenge, I yeah. guess, and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's more challenging. That's part of why the cost is higher is because yeah. it's more difficult. Yeah. It's much more difficult to produce The man hours, you're way. talking about pulling weeds yeah. by hand. Yeah. And yeah. So, so a farmer can spray with a 120-foot boom at 8 miles an hour and spray hundreds of acres a day yeah. to kill weeds. And we have to cultivate those weeds with a 12-row, which is 30 feet wide, as opposed to the 120-foot. And on the first mm-hmm. pass, we go 1.5 miles an hour. And the second and third pass, we can do 3 miles an hour, 4 yeah. miles an hour, 5 miles an hour. Or something yeah. faster and so it's a lot slower so we can cover a lot less ground it takes a lot more time and so that's part of why the premium is there um, but that's also why you know the other food is so much cheaper and there's definitely advantage for that that you know the consumer needs to be able to uh, mm-hmm. you know is there as well okay you mentioned consumer is there a, like is there an assumption you think that is wrong when it comes to consumers and the way they think about uh, organic farming? Is, are there any assumptions or misunderstandings that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I I just think about going to the grocery store and people are looking around and they're seeing all these labels. They're seeing organic, they're seeing natural, they're seeing antibiotic and hormone-free. And it, I, growing up on a farm, it's not confusing, but I just think about not having that perspective and how confusing that could be. Mm-hmm. And I think people just they don't know who to turn to for their information. And so they're looking at those labels and they're saying, you know, I, I don't know what to pick. And I would yeah. say also there's a big assumption you kind of, you know, organic farmers are good, conventional farmers are bad. A big assumption too, I think, is that, you know, non-organic farmers are big factory farms. They're not even farmers. They're companies, corporate owned and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When in reality, most, I think 97% of farms are family owned and operated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And farms are getting bigger. It's true because, you know, a lot of those things I talked about earlier with the commodity market having slimmer margins, they have to grow. And yeah. also with technology, you know, 50 years ago, you couldn't spray eight miles an hour with a 120 foot boom. You could do 30 feet at six miles an hour or something. Yeah. So we're able to farm more. We have to farm more in order to, you know, to, yeah. to make it in the commodity market. And so, you know, that's an assumption. I think that, you know, the non-organic family farms are just corporate farms where in reality, the majority, vast majority of farms are family owned and operated. And there's advantages to both. Um, right. And I could talk a little bit more about some of the advantages that I see in mine and stuff, but they're in, in our kind of operation. Did you, you were nodding like you thought, did that yeah. trigger anything in your mind yeah, about sure. the whole? Just that, you know, whether farmers are organic or they're conventional, whether it's a really big farm or a small one like ours, you know, for the most part, almost every single farmer that I know cares so deeply about the land that they have and the products that they are producing on their farm, and they want those to be good products mm. for people to eat and yes. for our families to put on our table. And so I think sometimes people look at organic farmers and say, those are the only good ones. Yeah. And that's just, it's not the case. Yes. We have friends, my my own family yeah. raises raises crops and cattle and, and everything too, and they're, they're doing the best we can. Yes, you know? 100%. And so... I, I think sometimes that the labels can be misleading and in, in thinking that, you know, food food is safe. We're doing the best that we can yes. to produce good food yes. all across this country and, yeah. and feed the world. And yes. that that's a big task. Okay, if there was something uh, if there was someone that is aware or they're, uh, they care about what they're eating and where mm-hmm. their food's coming from and they want to le- go to the next level yeah. of that awareness or uh, their relationship with food and the and the ground or farms and farming is there any recommendation anything you'd have that people could do yeah like action steps definitely first of all i just want to say thank you to those people because i think it's amazing that people are being that thoughtful and that they Mm -hmm. care about their food they care about the people behind it um it 
it's so convenient to go to the grocery store and buy food and not think about it. So thank you if you are caring about that. And to answer your question, yes. I mean, the reason I think that there's so many assumptions about agriculture is because there's so many people like Jared that just want to be on the farm and don't necessarily have the chance or the time to talk about what they're doing. Hell yes. If you're getting up, if you're in the field at 7 (laughs) a.m. to 1 or 2 in the morning, (laughs) you're not thinking about how you're going to brand on social media. Come on, Jared. Why aren't you going from 2 to 3 a.m. and talking to people? Get your stuff together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We've got got cell reception out here. You can be like multitasking. Yeah. 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 You know Uh, uh, yeah. And I think I think that's that's part of the reason people have questions and they don't they don't know who to ask those questions to. Mm-hmm. And so a way that you can do that is by trying to find someone like us or you know if you're in Minnesota or in a surrounding state, you know, go to our website, look up the Grassfed Cattle Company and we would love to talk on the phone or email or have you come to our farm. Yes, yeah, so on your website you had an event here where people could come out yes. and they were looking at they're walking through cattle. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. And we're looking to do some more of those events and to get more tours started on our farm or some of the other yeah. farmers that we sell meat for. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that's just a great way when people have questions is to, to try to find a farmer, whether it's us mm. or it's a friend we can connect you with or another farmer in your area. I mean, pretty much anywhere in the country, we can find someone um, mm-hmm. through one of us that really cares yeah. about food and farms. And Oh, cool. So, like, no matter, it's not just a... If, if you live in Minnesota, right. you, you have connections in this networking community yes. that anybody anywhere can, if you're curious enough, yeah. to dive into. Yeah, yeah. Well, agriculture is a surprisingly small world sometimes. Yes. Yeah. You, you'll meet, yeah. you know, I mean, like we said, we were in Hawaii. We just called up. Uh, in Hawaii, yes, we were, I would never even call up the rancher that. Yeah. that we knew who had a boulevard. Yeah. And we we're like, can we come visit? And they took an hour or two hours out of their day, showed us around, talked to us and stuff. I mean, yeah. I that is one thing you'll find about, I think, the egg industry and farming is that farmers, you know, they're so kind and like welcoming mm. and they love what they do and they want to show mm. people what they do and stuff they don't have the time or maybe the know-how to do it but they love to and if you reached out to them more than likely i've not had i've not been turned away and if i have been it's because they're too busy at the moment oh, yeah. but it's not like we don't want you it's here because they're either out or sleeping yes. the four yeah. hours yeah the four hours <laughs> yeah. of sleep yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. oh man that's so cool okay where i'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes yes but if people wanted to reach out to you guys mm-hmm. specifically uh where could they go to find you uh, grassfedcattleco.com and then Grassfed Cattle Company or Co on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the above. Yeah. Okay. This is and okay. all right. Be, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say you could follow individually yeah. on Instagram yeah. too. We yes. try to post some stuff about the farm yes. as well. I'm Jared Lumen on Instagram and Valerie Lumen on yep. Instagram as okay, well. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, I want before we before we wrap this up, I want just like a massive commercial thing. So like, what is what? For what you guys are doing with the grass-fed, uh, what like what are you doing with that? People can order it. Like, what are options if people can buy it online? Do you is it? Do you have to pick it up? Do you guys ship it, or what does that look like? So the grass-fed cattle company, yeah. we have a website, and that's primarily where people can order meat. Okay, we have small packages for people to try, from five pounds of ground beef or two steaks, all the way up to you could order an entire steer if you wanted and get lots and lots of meat for yeah. an entire freezer. Yeah. Um, no matter what amount you want, um, you can pick it up in Edina um, and chat with one of us when you pick it up. Or we are beginning to offer shipping as well. We actually just successfully shipped our first few packages. <laughs> yes. um, Did you have any unsuccessful attempts? Not unsuccessful, just 
it wasn't the prettiest. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shipping it. So dry all our ice is a wonderful thing. We found out as yes. opposed to just ice oh, yeah. packs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. So all of our meat is frozen, um, and so and shipping is is just a little bit difficult. Oh, yeah. But we've One we've figured it out, and yes. so we are shipping in Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and North Dakota and South Dakota. Yeah. And we're looking. We're just starting to also offer. You know, right now subscription models and boxes things mm -hmm. are huge yeah. in just about every industry. You can have you know sh razors sent to your house every month yes. and stuff too. So we're trying to add. Uh, we're we're adding our a subscription box model where you can get beef shipped to your door, direct to your doorstep once yeah. a month, um, as well. Eleven pounds of beef every uh, every month and stuff, or every biweekly or bi-monthly too. So yeah. another offering we're hoping to, or we're getting wow. started here. So. Okay, that's cool. The big idea behind it is basically that we're making it simple for you to buy local from farmers who are willing to answer the phone and answer your questions or give your family a great experience seeing yes. a farm and yeah. trying to make it convenient enough that people are willing to try it out yeah. and support people like us who want to, you know, do things the right way yeah. and be connected to the people that are putting the food on our table that yes. we're raising. Okay, when I was on your website, I saw something called the cow pool. Yeah. What, tell me about a cow pool. <laughs> yeah, so the cow pool, it's kind of a cool app we have developed. It's a web app where you can sign up for your kind of own account and you can you get a link to your own website that allows you to send it out on Facebook, via text, via email to anyone. Even people you don't know, they can go onto your website and sign up for a portion of your cow. Yes. And so if you sell a whole cow, if you, get, if you end up between you, your friends, family, people you don't know buying yeah. a whole cow, all eight eighths of a cow, uh, you get an extra $100 worth of beef and everyone in your cow pool gets a $25 discount on their order. So, oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's end it with this. Uh, you guys, thank you for hanging out with me. I want to end it with this question. If there was, if say you were, you were given a, a massive sign, like a billboard, in downtown Minneapolis or someplace uh, someplace uh, in the metro and it could say anything you wanted what would it say is there like a message that you would convey to the general population if you were given a billboard what comes to mind or it would be or is there a thought it doesn't have to be like a well it doesn't have to be a well polished thing uh, but what would be if you could like pass on like a hope that people would think of does something anything come to mind it's a good question. The three main points I've always tried to, you know, talk about with our story and our farm is we're trying to support that anyone who wants to come home and farm could do it. We're trying to farm in a way that we believe builds the environment. And we're trying to connect consumers to their farmer. And oh. So I don't know if there's some way to put those three kind of bullet points into yes. it. You know. Yes, one hundred percent. Because that is the only way we are, as like a society, are going to be able to move forward sustainably. Yeah. Is that if there's the option to to do all those things you said, if we right. are actually providing uh, something sustainable that people can go yeah. and do. Give me the billboard. Billboard idea combined your thought about curiosity yeah. and being curious and agriculture and people having questions about farming or yeah. farmers. So something along the lines of be curious with like all the labels or yeah. you know cows or something and then just ask a farmer. And uh, like, yes. I would love That's to have really a good. spot for people to just like type questions to Hell me yes. or oh, just like call come like, on. Yeah. If I could talk to people all day long on yeah. the phone or on video chat yes. or whatever about farming and what we do and what my friends do on their farm, yes. I would just be overjoyed. Oh, that is so brilliant because we, I'm just thinking about where people get their information from nowadays. Yeah. 
just go to the source. Right. Like reach out. Yeah. Right. I uh, talked about how Google can be good for finding a farmer and stuff. Yeah. Google can probably be, you can find anything you want in terms of resource. If you type, why is organic good? Or why is organic bad? Or yeah. why is conventional good? Or why is conventional bad? You're going to yes. find a source on, or you're going to oh, find some. So, so good. go to the person, go yeah. to the farmer, talk to them, see why they do what they do, how they do what they do. And yeah, know, come to your own Ask a farmer. Right. And, and be curious. You yeah. Know? Like, like I said, thank you to those people that care about their food and where it's coming from because yes. there are people working super hard mm-hmm. to put all those products in the grocery store. Yeah. You know, so be curious. Oh, that's and so well said. This is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. If you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show... I'll show. (laughs) Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you Podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness, because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.